Oh, hi there. Um, yeah, well, welcome back to this newest episode of the Side Character Cast, um, a podcast in which I, your host, Kenton, uh, reads three chapters a week of Nisekoi, Girl of the Wilds, and Umino Misaki, and talks about them, as well as various other things that I feel like mentioning at the time. And so for this chapter, this episode, I would like to begin with, I don't know, talking about a thing that's happening at, like, if, like disclosure, I'm a grad student. I feel like I've mentioned that in other um, of these episodes, you know, where I talk about various things that are happening in my life and how, what I feel about them. So what I what I what I want to talk about today is um, the the thing that's happening in a lot of private uh, grad like uh, private universities nowadays. Ever since like there was a law passed or re- repealed or something changed in the law, so now um, students can unionize in like graduate students in private universities. And apparently, um, it was only a couple, like a few years ago, that they allowed like not full-time, um, imp- like full-time faculty to unionize. Which that's a separate thing that I don't know much about. But like the group at the university where I work, they did, and like the the faculty um, unionized. And this year, since it's like the first year we can do it, there's a big push going on, and a vote happening in wow, a few days from now. So like on in the beginning of May or something. They're gonna have like um uh, like a secret mailed ballot that goes out to everybody in the graduate school, and then like they you, you respond by the ballot and you say yes or no. Do we want to join the union? And so I was introduced to this like the that this was a thing that we could do, uh last year at some point like I don't know sometime in the semester where like the people who were trying to organize it came to like all went through all the departments so they showed up at chemistry. And it was like, it was like a one day they brought pizza, which is a good way to get people to show up. And it was directly after like the uh, one of the classes that we had during the week. So like a bunch of the first years and like a bunch of their students showed up to like learn about what the union, what the union was. And um, I'll go into it more in detail, like what my thoughts on this whole thing are. But so I'll I'll just I'll start by laying out filling uh, filling out the full timeline. So then, yeah, cut to um, this spring. Like we didn't hear much about oh, like about it during like the winter or anything. And then uh, now in the spring, at the, at the end of the semester, they finally got like they got all the permissions and all the forms and all the paperwork, which apparently is a huge hassle, which I completely believe, to like actually allow us to hold this vote. Like they've organized with like the local, I forget, like some kind of um, service employee something or other union. I, f- I think they do like a lot of teacher stuff, and I don't know, just a lot of other groups in the area. So, like, we're partnering with, like, a larger national uh, union group in order to try to get this whole thing done. So, what's been happening now is, like, since we're, we're on the final push here, uh, the administration is actually starting to, like, take this seriously. So, I don't know, about, like, ten days, maybe two weeks ago, uh, the a couple of the deans, like, one of the dean, the dean of graduate students, so, like, the one that I've, the only guy, the only dean that I've met in the school you know and he he sent like they sent out like a a joint email giving a statement on like what their position was and it was um i it was thinly veiled incredibly negative against us joining or like becoming a union and like i i really like i'm i personally i find the whole thing fascinating like the whole process and like what's out happening out there right now and like it's just it's really neat to watch from like afar and then another thing was like, okay, so like the and now since we've gotten really close to the day, um, the 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 deans themselves have been going around on like a tour to all the departments, and trying to um like have meetings with like all the different like just groups of students and whatever whatever whoever they can talk to, and like try to discuss options w- about it. 
So the thing that they did was um, it, at the first one of these meetings, which I forget, I don't even know what department it was, like some variety of English uh, graduate students, I think. They invited and um, allowed like the people who were trying to represent like the union and form it, like the students here, like show up and like give their side of the like in, like have like some like a mini debate or whatever, and talk about both sides of the things. And then for every successive um, like discussion they had with different groups, they didn't invite the people back. And like the, I only know this because the 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 pro union people they sent out like an email saying this to me, which okay. So, like, I, and then, like, I, I didn't record this a couple days ago because, like, oh, here's this, like, I, in the in the morning, I got, like, a, like, they got, like, a, sent out an email blast to everybody on, like, the, everybody on, like, a graduate student listserv, and it's like, oh, um, here, like, here's some things from our fact about unions, and it's like, oh, yeah, if, if we, if, like, if the union is formed, then, like, on average, everybody like at whatever school it was that did it most recently has had to pay like a, like 1.5 percent of their salary, and then like even if you're not in the union, oh, they're gonna like they might make you pay like up to like 1.3 percent or something like that, and like oh, but if you don't pay, they might not like let you enact like engage in research or like get your degree finished, and it's like uh huh okay, like th and that's that was the entire like content of the email like there was no no counterpoints to that no discussion of what other schools did except for that one school and then like in basically counter programming we saw like the pro union people send out a, like a, a very similar email blast where they're like here's this survey of like different um things that we were able to get for different like um un like different universities graduate students so it's like one school's like oh within the first like two years like they're ramping up their um how, how like their stipend by 17 percent which is a significant amount and way more okay uh, Keeping my personal positions on, like, I'll I'll discuss all of those things at the end of like just the actual timeline. So they basically gave like a pro-union whatever speech, and th and then um like yesterday, even like the the dean sent out another email and they're like, oh, here's some other like negative things about the union, and it's like, wait, what? This is strange. It's like why graduate students at like whatever other universities rejected the union. It's like here's like question and answer about just about that. And we're not going to actually, like, say why, uh, like, wh like, what, like, go into a lot of detail other than, like, the only thing they say is, like, word for word, I'm, I'm just quoting the email. Graduate students at both schools rejected the union for a host of reasons, including the fact that once unionized, it is impossible to decertify. Which, okay, I can't, it's, it's so hard to do this without, like, giving my own personal opinion on what's happening in the, like, for the whole situation. So, like, now we're facing, in a couple days, like, the, the mail is going to go out, and I'm super interested in, like, learning what the result is. And then, like, okay, so my personal position is that for a variety of reasons, like, I am super pro-union, and it's not, in, like, not just for selfish reasons at this point. Although, like, yeah, so my dad was, like, always, he was a pipe insulator, he was always part of a union, and, like, they, I, I have no complaints about the treatment of us, like, how they handled medical care or anything like that. Like, he got very good benefits. He put in his time. He put in his money. And, like, he was, he served as, like, one of the head people, like, negotiating for the union in, uh, in the area that, in which he worked. And he, like, he instilled a strong sense of value for that into me. And, like, I, yes, that makes sense. And, like, I, there are other things that I could say about my dad, uh, and probably will at some point, because he deserves to have some stories told about him. He had some of the most bizarre and 
vaguely conflicting um, like uh, uh, opinions held about a variety of subjects M not in, like not the least of which is like unions and like s local scale politics but I'll save that for another day so what I wanted like I am super like for this union because like graduate students are I'm going to like effectively criminally underpaid for like what they do so most of the people that I know and like myself included we work way more than like the normal 40 hours that other people work so like uh, if you are teaching a class then you are still expected to be in your lab for at least like 40 to 50 hours a week and then the teaching will take up like if I, if I do a lab then it's uh, six or more hours a week of like actually being in the lab plus probably another like six to eight hours of like grading and returning and emailing people and dealing with all the administrative garbage that you have to when you're teaching and like that's it's obnoxious I don't know like I, I assume like the actual teaching load is a little bit less for people who just do like uh, discussion sections where they just like go over things that were talked about in class and like do quizzes and like just make sure that people understand it from information so like that's it's a, it's a slightly different workload so for everybody who's like a teaching assistant like for forgetting like I, like I basically make about 30,000 a year which is almost nothing for like most like the, the real problem with it is it doesn't scale based on where you live so I make the exact like within a thousand dollars of people living in like living in the city I do as like compared to people in like I don't know San Francisco they might make I don't know a couple thousand more a year or like people in Connecticut who go to Yale they make about the same as me and like this it's the same as like people in like Wisconsin where the cost of living is way lower than it is here out in Boston like our, my apartment out there in like in Madison was like super nice and it was like nine hundred dollars a month and here it's like uh, fourteen hundred for like a very like a similarly sized but way less quality place uh, as evidenced by that mouse I had to fight at one point in my life and that still kind of haunts me but th that's also another story for a different day so like I'm s like I'm very much on the pro union side but also um, so like they've been sending like they had a couple like I, I signed on to the the initial positions I was like okay if we get enough support here then we can like actually hold this vote and it's like yes absolutely I'll sign this which put me onto like different spam lists from the union people and like from the actual national union which they're super obnoxious especially with all the, like the actual polit like political things that have been happening recently what with that election and everything and all of the fallout that's been happening uh, in like the the larger scale government that I have no ability or time to deal with right now but whatever I I can easily filter those emails out and not, like just glance at them if they're that interesting so um, also let's see how do I say this um, yeah like I when I see like the the list of things that have been um, accomplished by the unions for other schools like oh we like we got um, an extra six thousand dollars for every student for their stipend over the course of like three years and I'm like yes then I could afford to actually have an apartment and like eat reasonably like it's very hard to make ends meet there have been months where I've been like unable to pay for rent and like had to have my wife like use some of her money to bail me out it's like that's not how this is supposed to go I feel like a graduate student should be like a little bit more self-sufficient than that and the healthcare like we do get free healthcare and that's nice it's like basic tier more or less and whatever I most of us are reasonably healthy so that's not a huge deal and also like the the one thing that people always say is like oh you get like free tuitions like forty thousand dollars a year and I'm like that's not how that works like nobody actually charges graduate tuition because it's always covered under everyone's grant ever forever in like every department so and like 
there's no way that we would ever see. It's like the university's giving us money to pay the university tuition. It's like, uh-huh, okay, so it's like we're not actually getting that money at all because there's zero chance that we could ever access it. Unless I could somehow like, oh, I'm not going to pay tuition this year or semester and just like pocket all the money, which is not how that works. Like it never goes into my bank account, never comes back out. It just doesn't exist. So that's a meaningless argument to me. And like I would be like the the big problem I have with the union people is like I also signed another petition that was like oh we we think it's weird that um the like the deans have not been, like have not been like have been excluding us actively from like participating in these discussions and it's like yes I agree and I will sign your open letter or whatever and I immediately get like three phone calls and like a, a bunch of emails that are like oh do you want to talk to us about it yeah we don't have any like real contacts in the chemistry department I'm like no I don't have no I can't stop it go away. One for one, I'd like work in a building that's like a mile and a half away from the actual chemistry building, so I would have no way to like reasonably meet you. That wouldn't just ruin my entire schedule for the day, because like okay, here's like I don't know half an hour of walking to get there, half an hour to get back. So it's like goodbye an hour, and then that's that's counting for zero seconds of actually talking to anyone. So it'd be kind of pointless. And like I'm all for the union, but like there's not there's limits to what I can do right now, which is the huge problem that they're facing. For, like the whole organizing and getting everyone like interested in this because like a lot of the people like they're fresh out of undergrad and people don't know don't understand like what unions do or like why they're important which is weird to say because they're pretty much all like um so lower to middle to upper class like upper middle class white people basically in the whole department and like you they have no exposure to what a union actually does because I'm going to guess, like, this is a, an overgeneralization, and I'm completely aware of that. They probably, like, their parents probably don't, like, do union work or, like, understand what that's like or anything like that. And, like, the anti-union sentiment in the world, like, in uh, in the nation, I guess, is r kind of ridiculous at the moment. It's, like, I, I understand, like, I'm not a very political person in the sense that, like, I have opinions, but I don't care what people do. Like, you can have, you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't, like, impact me directly or, like, make it harder for me to be alive. Like, I'm vaguely libertarian, but also I don't care enough. Like, I feel like there's a difference between me and, like, an actual hardcore libertarian where it's, like, where they're saying, like, oh, man, don't tread on me or, like, I have my rights and my rights end where yours begins. Like, yes, cool, great. I, I'm not that hard, like... I don't hold my opinions that strongly or like I wouldn't defend it's like it's how I view pretty much everything like my major belief in for the about the world is like there's probably a bunch of like truths and like more interesting information that we just don't have access to and like that's why I think science is cool but that's also besides the point so like I'm I fully expect this whole union thing to just blow up and not actually go anywhere especially because we can't actually do another vote for it for an entire year and like it's it's going to be disheartening and I bet it's never going to get off the ground in the future. And it's just mind boggling to see how much the deans are completely against this union. Like I, I don't really understand their reasoning for it. Like all we're trying to do is like, or all they're trying to do is like guarantee basic workers rights. And another thing that specifically for the chemistry department would be super useful is actual safety standards. So like, I always feel like, Ugh, I get like disgusted when I see people like eating in their labs, like in the same space that they actively work with chemicals. That's one of the least safe things that you could ever do in a chemistry lab. 
and like the, there's just a like a lot of there's a lack of like oversight and like re, the, we we should have like a full time safety person who's just trying to like make sure that everyone is like has the equipment that they need and is like properly trained in all the equipment that they're using, which is definitely not how it works right now. Everybody's like, oh, you know, just figure it out yourself. You'll be fine. Whatever. It's like, nope. That's especially like for teaching labs and stuff. Like that's how people get hurt is because there's not people or enough oversight or the ability to figure it out. And like you can say to me like, okay, you're in favor of like the the man or like the government telling you how to live your life and how to like be safe because you can't be trusted. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'd say probably like 40 to 50% of the people, even graduate students who work in a chemistry lab have no idea how to be safe. And the only reason that I do is because I worked in like industry in like government for like three years. So like they instill a very strong sense of, yo, you are the person who generates the income for us. So don't get yourself hurt because we need you to do work. And like that sense of responsibility for yourself is definitely not a, a value that people care about in grad school. And it's, I don't know, I, I hope the union gets in place because I'm also fascinated to see like what those discussions would work, would look like. And like, I was really disappointed that I had to miss the chemistry, like chemistry dash Dean meeting on Friday because like, I, like I really could not go. I don't have time in my schedule to do it. Like I had other, like other things that I was committed to be doing then. It's like, I can't just leave my job for like three hours. If I worked in the same building as that stupid meeting it definitely would have gone but you know i can't just burn another hour for that even though like nobody actually cares if i walk away from work and just leave for a while but that's also like that's another thing that i don't know it's interesting everything is just super interesting so anyway um i'll be back uh thank you for listening to my uh diatribe and yeah i've excited for whatever was happening in Girl of, the, Girl of the Wilds, I think especially. Yeah, Jagu is going to go fight a guy who is clearly a, uh, not a good match for him because if we're being realistic, then he should just get the tower beaten out of him. Just like the union vote. I tied it in. Good job, me. I totally did it. I feel like Uminomisaki is trying its hardest in order to like make the girls feel um, distinct, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like, it, it would have been easy to just homogenize all of their reactions in this chapter, especially when we see at the end where they homogenize all the reactions and they just shout at Nagi like, no, we have to sleep in the same, or we can't leave, we can't leave you alone with her. Because they're all um, concerned about what the new girl, who I legitimately have no idea what her name is, and that's okay, um, the actress, I guess, uh, what like they, they don't want to leave her alone with him because she they view her as dangerous, which I mean it kind of seems like they're not wrong. So what happens in this chapter is um, in order to achieve the goal of like um, making the like the girls who have been like kind of thrown into a little bit of a blender in the, like the most recent arcs where it's like, okay, yep, everybody's acting very, very similar in all of the things that, like, all their interactions with Nagi. So, like, we're going to need some way to, like, tell them apart, you know? And we get this a little bit, where um, Shizuku doesn't really do anything in the chapter, but we see Karen and the um, actress, I guess, what her name, whatever, uh, Mike, yeah, or Mike, I guess, was probably more accurate. What, what the actress, um, like 
she's talk she talks to Karen like they just get engage in small talk while the other two girls are just like glaring at each other and like n- not understanding like how Karen can like interact with the enemy in such a way and yeah so like okay so now we see that Karen is more she's more like social and able to um hide her true feelings than Soyogi or in Soyogi and Shizuku, which we can tell because, like, she has the exact same reaction as the other three at the end. It's like diamond-shaped storytelling, where you see, like, okay, we start out with characters who are the same, then we branch them all out a little bit, and then we bring them back to the same point at the end. That, that's, like, how that's how sitcoms work, and that's, like, how um, episodic storytelling happens, basically, where it's like, okay, like, a lot of um, adventure games and stuff are like, okay, well, you have the choice of how you want to interact with this scene, or, like, you can make some decisions and influence what happens, but in the end, like, we've only written one introduction and one ending, so, like, all roads have to lead to Rome, as it were. And, like, we see Soyogi, her um, character trait is that she is confused about her emotions and more aggressive, so she basically just throws herself at uh, at Nagi in, like, th- in the closet, more or less, and, like, just starts uh, making out with him in order to prove to him like she's and then he asks her why and she's like oh i don't know why like it's just something that i had to do and then she thinks about it in her head and she's like oh maybe i do really love him like she's obviously acting jealous even though she like refuses to admit it and doesn't really fully understand exactly what she is doing once she's talking to naki about it so yeah like and the other two girls didn't do this so this like this is her character trait and that's like what we get to see from her so this whole chapter is just like okay how can we like bounce our like bounce these girls off of the actress and like try to establish them as like distinct individuals and like th- this leads up to whatever is going to happen next chapter in which Nagi has been given the offer would you like to sleep with us and um he is uh, understandably shocked so uh, um yeah Umino Misaki should have another nighttime panic similar to the one we had like if, like before the previous like the the most recent set of arcs where it was just like oh we're gonna like stay up all night and like tie Suzuku down because she's sleepwalking and all like all the fun just antics that happened during that night so I don't know I'm excited it's a good good way to start this this episode you know after all that downer talk about unions and stuff just, just something a little a little bit lighter you know gotta gotta change it around Listen, I know we've had chapters where, like, I don't know, there was that dumb, like, lie detector, and some, I don't, there hasn't been too much, uh, unrealistic garbage, uh, that happened in Isekoi so far, until this chapter, in which, um, all the girls get, uh, drunk by having more or less one single whiskey chocolate. I don't, okay. So I've had, like, the whatever laced um alcoholic chocolates or candies or whatever and i mean besides the fact that they usually just taste like bad versions of the regular candy and bad versions of the alcohol like you don't get that much of the ethanol content into your chocolate because that's not how baking works so i feel like there's no realistic way that in like the time frame it took raku especially in the time frame it took raku to like leave the room and then come back in like I don't really understand how the things that happened in this chapter could have happened so fast like he basically is like oh here's these uh, chocolates 
and then he leaves the room and comes back in almost immediately and it's like, oh, everybody's drunk. Uh, oops. Sorry. So anyway, the chapter is a New Year's party. And yeah, we have this um, alcoholic chocolate going on, which gets all the girls to reveal their like hidden um, modes of thinking. And the thing that I don't, I don't know, it's, I feel like the author tried his, tried their hardest in order to make all the characters act um, in like an opposite way to how they normally act. So Chitoge uh, gets lovey-dovey and Onodera is, uh, becomes an exhibitionist and Sugumi just tries to go in and like, uh, one of the problems is, I was about to say things about Sugumi, but then I realized like, oh, she just acts identically to Chitoge more or less. So like, there's no real difference there. And then, like, Marika gets violent. And it's like, oh, everybody's acting the exact opposite of how they would normally act. What a goof. Which just shows the weakness in the characterization between Chitoge and Sugumi. It's like, oh, they can't show them act any different way than they did because that's the opposite of how they were. So, uh, oops, maybe we should have separated them somehow a little bit in the past, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. This chapter is disappointingly, um, yeah, like, there's no way that I can believe that this chapter, it's really hard to suspend my disbelief, basically. Like, I just don't, I can't see this actually happening in any realistic type of setting that we've been trying to portray up until now in this manga. Which, is, that's, that's like the good part about all three of these mangas, like, okay, they are more, somewhat grounded in reality, like they 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 stretch the um what's happening in the world for comedic effect, but or like for dramatic effect in terms of like Girl of the Wilds, where hopefully soon we get to see Jago fight again for like the third time in a day against equivalent or stronger opponents. And I don't know, that's not really how fighting works. You'd think he'd be a little bit worn down. Maybe maybe he'll just lose immediately. You know, I don't know. So anyway, yeah, this this chapter sure happened, and it was kind of a bummer. Like similar to how um, alcoholic chocolate is most of the time. Wow, we sure waited a long time before we actually got to see why Moon Young was so upset that this guy took out her teacher. And also we got to see the um, reasoning behind like what like why why we think that the like her sent her senpai lost like the older student who used to teach her when she like first joined the academy so yeah like i guess all yeah we have really haven't seen anything like from the past from Young. we don't really like know any of her tortured past or her backstory but it kind of seems like she's like oh she showed up and she's like i'm going to be um like she came in as like a good like fighter from like middle school or whatever She's like, yeah, I'm. I'm like, I want to be. I want to be the best. I'll like. I prom. I want to learn under you, and then like learn how to box properly, and then we could see that okay, she immediately had aptitude, and that her like her teacher or like the yeah the, the her mentor basically at at the school was only able to like keep up with Moon Young because she was like a good tactician and able to like pay attention to what um, the opponent was doing and like create uh like uh, countermeasures based on that. So, like, this is where we get to see, like, Moon Young developing as a coach, more or less, where she's giving Jegu advice because she was paying attention to the fight where her, um, her, like, her former mentor lost to this rude dude, and she's like, oh, she paid attention, like, okay, he doesn't really use any style, but he, does, he like, repeats his same moves, 
because like he's gonna come in at come at you like the same with like the same right. And we haven't seen like the thing about it is we haven't seen any of the characters do this before in any of the fights. Like it's always a like it's always um in like a fighting manga or whatever like a, a good fighting story. You have the fights where like okay, you have like an opponent who's probably clearly outmatched like in terms of raw talent and skill, but then the like. A, a competent coach or someone who's able to pay attention and like learn what the opponent is doing like it's usually the case where like oh we have this really strong main character who has like a bunch of like secret moves or whatever and it's like usually later in the story where it's like oh they're clearly like way too strong for this tournament but then they just get beat down by someone who's a lot weaker but is like well coached and knows exactly like what they're like what their favorite methods of fighting are which like the audience has been seeing that them do that like we've seen how these characters like fight similarly pretty much every time like um we we know just instinctively now that Dal Dal favors to like kick a bunch and Moon Young is a boxer so they're not going to really switch up how they do their attacks unless it's like tactically favor like we saw Moon Young where it was like a big like a, a huge surprise or like a blowout when she actually used a kick appropriately and like got a very efficient um fight in because of that but we haven't really learned a lot about how, like, we haven't been made to want to care about, like, how the fighters fight. Because it's mostly been just, like, um, heart or willpower that actually determines who, like, de de determines the outcomes of the fight. Or completely overwhelming skill in the case of whenever Queen looks at someone wrong. So, like, here we get to see just, like, okay, uh, Moon Young is able to, like, get Coach Jagu into, like, okay, we into, like, the opening volley of... I assume something go is going to go bad for him in the near future because, like, all he got in was, like, he got in, like, one um, rib punch with, like, a, a short jab from really close range and down below. So it's like, okay, I don't think that's going to do enough damage to beat this guy down since, I, like, Jagu's not that strong at this point. And, like, yeah, we even get to see, like, the lessons being learned from by Moon Young. It's like, okay, good boxers are, like, 50% talent and the other hat like the other 50 percent is like effort it's like these are the things that make up your ability to fight and then moon young changes this um like expands on this when she's talking to jagan she's like okay 50 percent of like you is like your t is like your talent and your effort and everything and the other half is going to be my coaching so she's able to like make up for the like the deficiencies that he has by not being a real fighter and like hopefully um get him through what's going on here and like that's it's it's cool we just keep evolving every part of this manga like things are just changing and like nothing like none of the no, no two fight has been even kind of similar and like that's that's really neat and hopefully jagu um doesn't get murdered which it kind of feels like he's going to in the near future you know So, um, developments on the front of the stuff I was talking about at the front end of this podcast. So, like, as I was recording this, um, there, the faculty and, like, the other grad students in, like, our whatever leadership committee we have for the chemistry department, they emailed us and said, they, like, gave us very strong letters of support and, like, we're like, oh, yeah, the teach, I forgot that the, to mention that, like, the teachers, the professors who, like, formed the union recently, they, like, they're going through literally the same unit and pretty much the identical process as us. And they're like, yeah, we know that the administration really doesn't want you guys to be doing this. Like they even basically said that like word for word in the, 
um, like the letter. They're like, yeah, they they're pr they're gonna try to like misrepresent this to you. So like, then they gave us like their perspectives and like their con they they gave us links to their contracts and everything because it's all public. And it's like, huh, that's really cool that like it's just it just keeps happening as I'm like talking about it. And yeah, they're like, oh yeah, like you, you probably have to pay for the 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 union dues, but like we made so much like our our um like our our uh, pay increased by like forty percent like across the board because of how like much they were being underpaid too. Like I feel like that's a common thing in a lot of universities is that they pay you as low as they can and don't do like real cost of living increases because like through the university system they give us I don't know a couple hundred more a year and like that's not how that works. That's not enough to keep pace with like how much housing costs after a while. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled Nisekoi. So in this chapter, um, well, also it, like, there's not like this chapter was aggressively interminable. I think, like, it was one of the more just mind-numbingly obnoxious, like, sets of events. And by sets of events, I mean uh, they changed who was sitting where in the classroom, and that's all. So like, yep, the third trimester started, so now it's trying to change seats, and like. I okay, so apparently they waste like hours doing re like doing and redoing all of the the seat changes, because everybody gets stuck where they don't want to be, and then Raku and Onodera they touch their fingers together and then their elbows and they're like, oh, we're so nervous sitting next to each other. Oh boy, maybe she's like maybe Onodera is interested in me. Raku thinks to himself, and everybody's I don't know things happen, and then at the end. It's Raku sitting between Onodera and Chitoge because, like, if anyone had asked me what the seat changes would have been, then that's literally what I would have said, and we wouldn't have had to waste, like, this could have been the first panel of a chapter, and then things could have happened. Like, we could have just seen, like, okay, have the first panel where they're like, yep, we're changing seats, and then the second panel would just be, like, Raku sitting between the two girls, and it's like, oh everybody's shocked face and then you go from the chapter and do things like this is all like maybe one to two pages worth of manga content stretched out over an entire chapter it's just miserable and that's what i think about this chapter i think yeah that's i don't know it's it's kind of garbage So in this chapter of Umi no Misaki, chapter 66, we get the how you do chapter 66 of Nisekoi um, in a more uh, endearing and entertaining fashion. So the bulk of this chapter is once again uh, arranging seating, or in this case like sleeping arrangements, like how people are going to orient themselves while they're going to bed. And like the girls all want to be near Nagi in a similar way as how Chitoge and Onodera wanted to be next to Raku when they were rearranging the classroom. So we get like the same sort of like fighting and bickering. However, that like in this case they put like all of the um like fighting in I don't know like a few pages more or less where it's like oh where are we gonna put him? Where should he sleep? It's hot, so you should go next to the window. Are you trying to monopolize him? And she's like oh yeah, basically I am. It's like, oh, he can't, he can't sleep next to the fan. It's bad for his health, which is always a fun um, cultural thing that apparently fans are bad for your health, but, you know, fan death and all that. 
So like, and then the, even the resolution is the same. Where like Onodera and Nisekoi, or Onodera and Raku and Nisekoi, uh, they broke the tension by just like laughing about their um, uncertainty and their embarrassment over the situation. And the girls and Nagi pretty much did the same thing. Where he was like, he was a little bit concerned, like because everyone was being very formal with him, and all of the girls were being like a little bit too intense for what he wanted, like how he wanted to interact with them. And then, like, they, he they just starts laughing, and then the tension's broken, and then everyone's happy, which is identical to the red, like, the, the, the whole, see, see, I told you, you could put this into, like, two to three pages, and that would be plenty of exposition about the whole scenario, you know, Nisekoi, you should read Umi no Misaki, and then you might learn a thing or two, and then after that, I don't know, um, we once again get reaffirmed that Nagi is a good guy, because he's, he tells them a thing that they're supposed to know. I was like, oh, the the, the people are the people are like, the people are what make the island worth living on and experiencing. It's, it's not like the island itself. It's like who you meet and who you talk to on the island. Like that's what's good about it. Which is why like I had to be like invited this girl to come stay with me because like I was the first person that she saw and I wanted to make her feel welcome and happy here. It's like great. Yep, Nagi, you you continue to be the best. Good job, you did it. And yeah, then I don't know. That's basically the chapter it's just kind of ridiculous how well every week there's always like a set of chapters that overlap or like within one chapter of one another they're like identical plots or like events and like it's a very specific thing it's not like a generic um topic or like activity we haven't seen this uh sort of like sort of thing happen in either of the manga up until this point where it's like no one's cared about where anyone sits in Nisekoi. Like everybody just wanders around or only interacts during lunch or like after school or whatever. And in Umi no Misaki, like we're more interested in like the temporal aspects of the like the relationships where it's like who's going to like take up uh, Nagi's time. Whereas here we're shifting to like the like the physical spatial relationship, and it's like oh who's going to be near Nagi for this night? Like it in like it's the same thing between these two manga. Like it's just wonderful that I get to make these observations over and over again because it just keeps happening. Like I it's huh. Why would it why would it be on specifically chapter 66 for both of these manga? It baffles the mind. Every time we get a new character in Girl of the Wilds, we get like, I don't know, six panels to just fully realize exactly who they are as a character, which is cool. So yeah, we get the backstory on the bad guy that we're fighting right now, who's like, oh yeah, I just, like we like the motivations that we need to to like get through are like, okay, one, why is he strong? Two, why does he not care about like like he actively dislikes um organized fighting, so he's like more prone to just street fight and do whatever. And three, like why is he here doing any of this to Jagu? Like what? Why is this ha like what are his motivations for like accepting this fight and like doing like basically any of the things he's done before? So the answers to the questions are like, why, like, why, like, where did he come from? Pretty much is like, oh, he 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 grew up in like this uh, crime-based family, like where his big brother was showing, like, always showed him the ropes and like defended him from the other kids at school, and like even from like their family, because like sometimes bullies will show up with like their big brother or whatever, who they like they they usually like learn the behavior from them or something like that, and then like the, yeah, so he had the protector all of his life. So this guy was like. Grew, grew up in a, an interest like a, a strange uh childhood more or less 
and that's why yeah so then when he gets on his own like he gets into just like started getting in a bunch of fights because even though he had like his uh brother to protect him he learned how to just like street fight on his own and like how to like do- uh, dominate and demolish his opponents so like now we know why he's strong cool great like just he like he just learned how to fight on the streets and like he's grown up doing all that like great that's yep okay and like why does he not care about like um boxing or organized fighting or anything it's like oh if you watched a boxing match on one tv like well please, here's two pages um author like tell me give me a vignette that shows why this guy doesn't care about organized fighting and it's like oh he learned he also learned this from his brother okay so he learned he learned how to fight from his brother and he learned that um organized fighting is dumb from his brother as well great cool so yeah that's two-thirds of the questions are have been answered in i don't know six or seven pages which is neat and his motivations are like he ties all this into like why he doesn't uh like he doesn't want to lose to jagu he's like yeah i we have to just like my fighting style is to just drive them back with force there's like no real technique here it's just um i'm going to overpower them like my opponent with uh, my ability to punch in harder and survive more than they can. It's like, okay, great, we have all the answers to the questions, and now back to your regularly scheduled fight, where we see that Jagu has, I don't know, forgotten that he was tired from all the other fights, and he's ready to just um, b- uh, bop the guy a few times with uh, Moon Young's advice, which basically involves, like, okay, he's going to do predictable things because he never learned, like, a fighting style or, like, any variations on his attacks, so you can just use that to um, like sneak in hits on him, ending with the like an uppercut at the end, which is our next cliffhanger. So like what I thought was gonna happen in this chapter, I, and I assume it still could happen next chapter, like the uppercut that causes Jagu to separate from the guy a little bit might give him t- like a, just enough of a breather to come back and just like uh, start kicking the crap out of Jagu, which I feel that still has to happen, right? This guy has been set up as too strong of an opponent. For him to just, like, fall over and lose like this, it would be very anticlimactic. And putting a little bit too much stock in, like, Jago's abilities and, like, what he's learned over basically, um, I don't know, a couple weeks of learning how to fight. And that that just seems like they're pushing the tempo a little bit too fast for my liking. Oh boy, a Karen chapter. You know what that means, audience, don't you? That means it's time to, I don't know, say words about the art that's going on at Umi no Misaki and ignore the plot, you know? So yeah, this uh, chapter, as a brief overview, involves Karen waking up in the middle of the night and then uh, getting concerned about various things, um, getting, uh, how do I, I got groped by Nagi in his and, well, his sleep, I guess, which I'd I don't know that that's how people who sleep operate, but I don't whatever you know. Everyone has to live their own life, and then we see um, what's her face, the their house guest show up, and uh, just see Karen as she goes in for like a nighttime kiss with Nagi, and that's basically the end of the chapter. So not much happens, but I would like to comment on. Um, how diff sometimes like different manga will show you that it's like dark out or inside or whatever and i don't i don't know if i like the way they do it here it's it's weird so basically in all of the the well the problem is first of all that it's not all of the, the panels that we get to see it's most of the panels they you, they just use like a bunch of like horizontal lines of various like levels of gray and scaling down to black i guess 
in order to like just show the illusion that okay it's it's dark in here because like the lighting is poor and everything is like gray and washed out as it would be normally and then we get to see the like there's a couple panels and they're in contrast like oh where she's saying like oh i can't sleep and like it's pure white there and not shaded in at all which i'm not entirely sure why that is and then yeah um there's also like the image of like her uh laying spooning with nagi and like it's it's light out in there too and then a couple more times like where there's close-ups on karen where like you can see that her emotion is making the room appear brighter or something i assume that's what they're going for or it's just they didn't feel like putting in the horizontal lines all the time with their computer program or i guess that's yep and then, yeah, so then the only other panels where we get to see them not in the shaded version is when, like, she gets snuck up on by the house guest who sees them together and then, like, oh, it's bright in here for some reason. And, like, Nagi's shirt isn't shaded in like it was a panel before or after it, it is now. So, I, how does that work? Did they, like, turn on a light? Like, why? You got, you got to be consistent about what's going on in your, your, your chapter. It's not like, okay, these characters can see each other, so that means it's bright in here, and like, oh, we're going to raise the lighting and then lower it back down while they continue to have the same conversation and continue talking. Like that, you, you got to commit to what you're doing, man. And like, sometimes in manga, like, they don't show darkness very often, or I, I would say, I don't know, very well. Like sometimes if it's like a spooky manga or something like that, it's just like pitch black and the things come out of the darkness. But normally, like, they just show it as, like, being bright out. And I guess I'll comment on it if I ever see what they do in Nisekoi or Girl of the Wilds. And I'm sure they've done it some way before, and I've missed it, which is also, like, something to note and be, in, like, that's neat. It's like, okay, so in Umi no Misaki, like, it's not, it's it's very uh, distinct and, like, called out and separate from how it is in all the other chapters, where it's like, okay, we're going to focus on the fact that this is the middle of the night and, like, very dark. And, like, that's important to the plot or something like that, which I guess it kind of is. So, I mean, it's cool that they do, like, a subtle call-out in terms of, like, how the art style works. I just wish they had um, committed and done that through all of the chapter or, like, the entire chapter, you know? All right, Girls of the Wild, you're getting a little bit obnoxious with these cliffhangers. It's doing the whole Nisekoi thing of like, oh, we're going to get real close to the f impact point or like some kind of something's going to happen, but you got to wait until next time. And like, yep, okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep people reading or something. Like, at this point, there's 67 chapters in. The people have to be invested, I, I would think. Like, it's not just going to be people going like, oh, what's this about? Oh, we saw the conclusion of this fight. Man, I guess I'm all done with this manga. I might as well just light it on fire and throw it away. Who cares? No, I I don't know. It I like I understand why they do it, but at the same time I hate it. Because it just seems like lazy where I mean, hey, maybe they did heaven storyboarded out the next chapter. There is also that, which it kind of feels like a lot of Nisekoi arcs are it's like, "Oh, everything's over. The whole manga's done." It's like, "No, we got to keep going. This is a serialization. You can't just like quit and be done forever with this i mean they could and that might, might be okay so anyway uh, jagu has yeah the thing i said that might happen last time happened and like his uh uppercut wasn't strong enough to beat up the guy he gets kneed in the ribs maybe i don't know something might be fractured he gets whacked around a little bit and the guy does like a flying stomp 
but then the bell rings and then contrary to everything that we've seen from this guy who has shown that like oh he has complete disdain for like organized sports or like the rules that are involved in that and like he is still able to control himself enough to put the foot next to Jagu's face and not on his face because those are two different outcomes and like since the bell rang it wouldn't be cool if you were to just go like oh I'm gonna step on your face game's over man and like it could be argued in that case like oh like my moment my, my ugh, like in like NFL football rules like the momentum was carrying him over so like it's not a penalty and like you could say that and it wouldn't be unrealistic you know so then yeah then Jagu apparently had landed a decent uppercut on him and like it we we learn immediately it's like oh no he wasn't being sporting he just couldn't see or like coordinate his body well enough because the uppercut like uh, gave him a light concussion, if I had to guess. And then Jagu wants to continue fighting because he is—he wants to be a tough guy, and use like make his teachers proud. So this ends up with him doing the thing that all main characters will do in a fighting manga. At various points, they will fight to their opponent's level. Where sometimes, like Yu Yu Hakusho does a good one of this, where like you just basically—actually, uh, a bunch of times—but they like get down to slap fights where. Uh, the the main character and then their enemy have like very little power left and they're just like beating each other down like the Jin fight in the dark tournament is like the, the perfect example of it it's like oh they're just like sometimes the characters are having fun because they're just like oh it's just a complete slog and whoever is able to tough it out will win it's not li- like really a contest of technique or anything like that and then like oh Jago's like oh man, he, like, the thing they didn't really teach him is, like, what do you do when your opponent can't be predicted very well? Like, that's the only reason he was having any success before in the fight. It's like, oh, now, like, the street fighting thing is taking over, so Jago can't, like, doesn't know how to maintain his guard and, like, is just throwing himself into the fight with, like, really big sweeping blows, which is cool. Like, that's a thing that you don't get to see a lot in fighting manga. Like, people aren't disciplined when they're learning how to fight in the beginning. And, like, sometimes you get a couple chapters of it where it's good. It's like, okay... They're an untrained fighter, but they're just naturally, like, tough or, like, able to beat people up very well. And, like, Jagu is, um, like, that's where he is in his, like, in his learnings right now. So we shouldn't expect him to just be a perfectly disciplined fighter and not, like, lower himself to his opponent's level in, as it were, I guess. Although, I mean, the guy's kind of winning, so it's not really trying to raise himself to what he sees as his, his opponent's level. When it just involves him, like, okay you're going to probably like abandon your defenses and just go all out and attack and then that's not going to probably good go good go well for you you know so then we get to see like oh here's a simultaneous punch coming on who's going to make it out of this tune in next time when i talk about girl of the wilds again and we see what happens to jagu i hope he's okay but i mean only we're, we're not even like halfway through this manga so he's probably okay i hope <laughs> It's that thing I was complaining about from Girl of the Wilds, but for Nisekoi, where you never get to see the punch land at the end. And, yep, so it's Valentine's Day, I guess, which means it's time to do the dance where you make the chocolate and either give the chocolate to the guy or don't give the chocolate to the guy. And apparently in Nisekoi world, that means no one is going to give the chocolate to the guy, you know? Because, like, Sugumi didn't make anything. Marika is 
maybe the best girl, also a nightmare person for various reasons, what with her um, very muscular version of Raku's shaped statue that is even larger than life size, which maybe she huh, maybe she is the best girl. She she's very um dedicated and uh good at going for the thing that she wants to go for, and I respect that. America is at least number two behind Onodera. Who, um, yes, as we've learned before, Onodera's, um, her, her strong suit is definitely not cooking. She can make pretty things, but she can't make pretty things that taste good. And she can't make things that taste good. At all. Also. So, yeah, the whole chapter is like, oh man, here's this, like, who's she talking to on the phone? That's always interesting. Like, um, then we get to see, like, oh, it's your sister. Which means that, okay, Onodera has a sister, and I assume that we're going to get introduced to her at some point. Because, like, why would you waste a whole character um, and not just have, like, the mom who we've already seen before be the one giving Onodera advice on how to cook? Because, like, this is their sweet shop, so if anyone could was able to give Onodera pointers on how to, like, cook or bake or whatever, then it'd probably be her mom. So it's interesting that we get to learn that, okay, we have um, the sister who Onodera explains to us is a better cook than she is. And I like that, I, I do like that we're setting up, like, okay, here's this um, subtle introduction to a character who we don't get to see, like, they're just talking on a phone, off screen, and there's almost no way that they don't show up, like, she won't show up for at least some kind of, like, cameo or whatever. Although, technically, wait, this is, so sis, who are you giving the chocolate to? It's, huh. I guess that is a little bit sexist of me, isn't it? So, yeah, um, never, at no point does it really indicate a gender of the other person, and I am not sure at all if we know if, whether Onodera has, like, a brother or a sister at home, who would be introduced later in the story. And, like, it, it could go either way. I, I really don't... Huh. Okay. I, I apologize, audience, for um, misleading you and saying that it's definitely a girl because we have no proof of that. And it might just be from the translation that doesn't show any gender in English because English is obnoxious like that. And, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, we learned that Chitoge is also bad at making things because she has Onodera's opposite problem. Well, she has at least one of Onodera's issues but reverse where she can't make anything that looks pretty we don't know if it tastes good it sure might who knows and then they do the whole thing where like oh boy i don't i'm too afraid and too ashamed and embarrassed to give this to raku even though like i like him says both of the girls and i don't know that's that's the chapter which i mean how how honestly audience how did how did you think this chapter was gonna go right like what else could have possibly happened anyway and then, yeah, we also learned that Raku is not somehow, like, he's never gotten chocolate from anyone, pretty much. He just gets it from all the men at home, which I I do like that, too. Like, oh, they just all, like, buy or make and give chocolate to the boss every Valentine's Day. That's interesting. How does that work for, like, whatever white day where, like, the men have to repay the favor of the girls who give them chocolate? Also, that whole uh, holiday is a little bit or a lot of bit sexist. That's interesting. I wonder how it works for what with our changing PC culture and our growing acceptance of um, various alternative lifestyles and various alternative like sexualities and whatever, how that works for like the Valentine's Day, White Day dynamic in Japan. Because I assume that they are like they're becoming slightly more um, accepting of those things, like that sort of thing, like homosexuality and all that. That's interesting. I, I never really, I honestly never really thought about it. So, yeah, for me, being a jerk and assuming someone's gender, we proceed immediately to um, me not understanding how Japan is currently, like, expressing their gender relationships 
in terms of like their holidays and this one in particular and i mean this manga did come out a while ago so it is reasonable that like whatever um changing social attitudes that are coming through and like they take time you know so and i can assume that okay they probably didn't come like have anything have any impact on this manga which i mean it really seems like they didn't so anyway we get to see yeah nobody's nobody gives them the their chocolates or whatever except um sugumi gets one from like some girls which is also fun and then raku like there it's, this chapter is full of weird like side notes and things that happen in the background which is different than most of like uh, nisekoi chapters that are pretty much laser focused on what's happening but here we get like the side plot of like Sugumi is very popular with among other girls, which is huh, okay, maybe it is a little bit more um accepting of these things than I initially thought. And then also we get to see that like Sugumi is thought to like like Shu by Raku because he like she just like flippantly tosses her chocolate to him and is like, Here you go and then Raku sees that without knowing the context. It's like that's cool. Like these are sub subplots that I have to believe will not be resolved in any way to my satisfaction, but they're being introduced. And they are the classic Nisekoi misdirection and people misinterpreting what other people are saying technique, which is all that Nisekoi really knows how to do. And then at the end, it's like, oh, Onodera is uh, sad because she broke her chocolate. So she's just like sh sitting in a field eating her chocolate and like crying. It's like, okay, sure. <laughs> I guess that's a way you can end this chapter. So anyway, that will wrap up this um, edition of the side character cast. Find us on find me on soundcloud.com slash main dash character dash cast or wherever you found this podcast and if you found it somewhere else but soundcloud um let me know because i'm interested in seeing how that would happen so uh yeah so next week i'm or next time i guess i'm probably going to talk more about like the whole union thing because boy the tensions have been ratcheting up and there are way more things to say like while i was recording even more things were happening and emails were happening and then like i'm like i was gonna record the episode like a day after i was like okay or i can wait like because i got a bunch of like three or four really interesting emails and it's like oh maybe if i give it a, like, like another day or two or like even a week or whatever it's like maybe this will get a little bit more fun so i did that and i was right and i'm excited about that so yeah i was your host kenton i, I mean i still am but i also was your host and yeah so I've introduced SoundCloud and like what else is there the music comes from purpleplanet.com which has a bunch of good royalty free music as I keep saying even though no one cares and yeah thanks for listening and I hope to see you back next time where we get to see um fist punches uh chocolate punches and what's happening no uh something to do with an actress in a house at night I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll just be the next day. I can say, really. So, see ya. Thanks for listening. Bye.